0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Greetings, comrades, and welcome to the Eastern Border. This, uh, this episode took a while to make because it's a bit of a mess. See, I'm, I'm talking, of course, about the situation that uh, in November 15th, Polish Polish side reported that two missiles had hit the village of Przevodov in the country's Ljublján province, just three miles from the Ukrainian border. And uh, one missile hit a grain elevator, killing two people. And um, Polish authorities, NATO leadership and world leaders at the G20 summit in Bali held uh, emergency meetings to discuss this incident. And uh, it's all turned into a huge mess. Because everything... This has gone from weird to even more weird. See, at the beginning, obviously, everyone thought it was Russian missile. Just, you know, going the wrong way or being a provocation or something like that. However, a bit later, people found out that, uh, this is quite likely, that this, this was an S-300 missile which is used by Ukraine, is an anti-air defense missile. And although Russia uses these missiles to strike ground targets with modified situations, the closest target they could strike would be quite far away. I, it seems likely that uh, the Russians tried to strike a uh, another complex that produces electricity, uh, 35, 35 kilometers inside the Ukrainian border, and that... In this case, the Ukrainians launched an anti-air missile to intercept it. And, you know, they have these Soviet S-300s. And it's been proven at this point, seeing the wreckage of of the whole missile site, that it's an S-300 missile. And that it apparently had missed its original target. And, you know, after that, the missiles are supposed to exterminate themselves. Well, that didn't happen in this instance. Which is a sad accident. So, well... Uh, in total, that's how everything pretty much happened but, but this is the official story And this is where the weirdness begins For example, uh, yeah, here's a quote from um, Polish president Andrzej Duda Quote There's no sign that this was an intentional attack on Poland Most likely this was a Russian-made rocket That was manufactured in the 1970s There's no indication that it was launched by Russian forces There's a high probab- probability that it was a Ukrainian air defense missile now the thing is no one really um no one really blames Ukraine for the situation. The fact is that well people actually believe russia in this case understanding that this is not their missile, but uh nonetheless, for example, German Chancellor Olaf Scholz uh, said uh, quote, "The incident in Poland wouldn't have happened if it weren't for Russia's war against Ukraine." If it weren't for missiles that are now being used to intensively shell Ukrainian infrastructure on a wide scale. UK Prime Minister uh, Rishi Sunak made a similar statement, saying, quote, this is the cruel and unrelenting reality of Putin's war. As long as it goes on, it poses a threat to our security and that of our allies. So, yeah, uh, everyone on the planet basically is saying that, yeah, this is most likely an accident, an unfortunate one. But it's still Russia's fault for, you know, having to shoot these anti-air missiles. And uh, recently, recently we have heard some weird things because, um, yeah, Ukraine, for unknown reasons, refuses to accept it was behind Poland's missile strike. Despite this whole NATO activity that uh, is not hostile to them at all. Ukraine's president Zelensky said that he had no doubt that his country was not to blame for a missile strike that, you know, hit the village. Zelensky said Wednesday on Ukrainian TV that his top military commanders had assured him that, quote, it was not our missile and not our missile strike, that it was the cause of Tuesday's incident, which provoked an international furor and fears that a wider conflict between NATO and Russia could erupt. Quote, I have no doubt in Tuesday's report to me personally, from the commander of the Air Force to Commander in Chief Valery Zoluzhny, that, w- that it was not our missile and not our missile strike. End quote. He reiterated calls from Kiev to provide it with access to the site of the explosion near the village of Przhevodov in the south southeastern Poland and just a couple of miles from the Ukrainian border, and for Ukraine to be part of a joint investigation being led by Poland and the United States. Quote, I believe that we have the right that we have the right to this. Is it possible not to announce the final conclusions until the investigation is completed? I think it is fair. If someone says that this is our rocket, should we should we be in the joint investigative group? I think we should. It's it's only fair. And that's the thing, Russia obviously calls this a deliberate provocation. And Ukraine has taken this weird stance, although no one really blames them. And I've seen the missile, it is S300 and conflict intelligence team the group that I follow the most and that I respect the most in analyzing this whole war, they also claim that, um, well, <laughs> that this is uh, this is just an error. And errors do happen. And I'm I'm quite surprised as of why Ukraine is uh, so hostile right now. Well, I can understand that the. You know, the mood's not very nice there, obviously, because of all the shellings and everything, but um, I really don't don't get it. Then, well, of course, there was comments by uh, the United States Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin. Speaking in the news conference, Austin stated that uh, he had full confidence in Polish government's investigation into the explosion, which has suggested this, that it was an air defense missile. And he mentioned that Poland had conducted the investigation in, quote, professional and deliberate manner, and the United States would not get ahead of their work. He also stated, quote, we are still gathering information, but we have seen nothing that contradicts President Duda's preliminary assessment that this explosion was most likely the result of a Ukrainian air defense missile that unfortunately landed in Poland. Whatever the final conclusions may be, the world knows that Russia bears ultimate responsibility for this incident. Russia launched another barrage of missiles against Ukraine, specifically intended to target Ukraine's civilian infrastructure. So, he also just talks about Russia's deliberate cruelty, only deepening the United States' resolve to continue to support Ukraine's, quote, bedrock right to defend itself, end quote. So yeah, and in this case, I think, This kind of sums it up, because my first edition and second edition of this was a bit more panicky and uh, worrisome, because I had watched a bunch of analysts uh, in Russia and on Russian YouTube talking about how, uh, you know, how NATO would have to react, really have to react if this was a Russian missile, but I tend to believe uh, this explanation, although I I don't understand why the Ukrainians are, are taking the position that they're taking. I mean, there could be some cover-ups going on and maybe maybe people have chosen this not to invoke some other articles. It's a little bit dubious, but um, I've seen I've seen at least some of the evidence and it uh, seems legit. But of course, we will have to take a look at, well, everything a bit later. And uh, yeah, talking about investigations, some things actually moving with the Nord Stream 2 as well. Nord Stream 2, a whole thing that exploded yeah, uh, explosives have been found there, and we have some footage. Apparently, some investigators have some footage from um, from the pipes underground, which means the methane has has stopped stopped flowing, which is great. So sooner or later, we will hear some answers about what exploded the stuff there. And this is uh, this is kind of a part of this war. Every time you have some answers to some questions. Thirty more, thirty more questions arise that uh, take her time to analyze and give answers to. But uh, currently, at least, there's one thing that, that's really interesting, because Girkin. Well, for now, I can officially state that Girkin is now a terrorist. He hasn't reacted to this, but um, the Hague, yeah, the uh, the criminal court in Hague, made some very interesting conclusions and decisions recently. I'm going to talk about that now. See, besides the fact that um, our Girkin, also known under the assumed name Strelkov, which I refuse to use because that makes him sound cooler, and um, a couple of other guys, well, you know, who were found guilty of blowing up the Malaysia Airlines MH17 flight from Amsterdam to Kuala Lumpur. Yeah, they were found guilty and um, given life sentences. In absentia, of course, because nobody, nobody's there. They were found guilty of murdering 298 people on board. A fourth suspect in the case, by the way, the Russian citizen Oleg Pulatov, had been fully acquitted by the court in the absence of sufficient evidence against him. While Pulatov's lawyers were present at the trial, the other suspects were tried in absentia. The court took their public statements to represent their position. And uh, interestingly enough, the, the biggest part about this, because we all we all knew he was guilty, is the fact that uh, the court deliberated on the competent immunity. You see, this means that, um, well, there, there, there's a difference between if, if these are fighters or if these are armed terrorist groups, and at least the court in The Hague, the international authority in the, these matters, has stated that, quote, The court thus qualifies the Donbass conflict as an armed conflict overwhelmingly controlled by Russia, as evidenced by an ample body of recorded conversations presenting a picture of intensive contact between Russia and the self-proclaimed Donetsk DNR and its armed forces with Russia's constant substantial support. This is quite interesting, since every time, every time, well, someone tries to speak from the other side, you know, the pro-Russian side about what has been happening all these eight years and how this has been a civil war and everything. I've been, I've been telling everyone all this time that now, in two thousand fourteen, Russia invaded Ukraine. They, they started this. That there were no such mega separatist conflicts. That this wasn't a civil war or anything of that sort. This was Russian funded mercenaries with to have some plausible deniability entering there, and they had equipment clearly given to them by Russia. It's just like in Crimea, you know, little green men just with bit bare escalation. Well, right now, right now I have a great argument which finally finally I can say that yes, we have enough evidence so that the international Court in Hague has finally admitted that yes, if this was fully Russia's involvement in all of this, and that, well, right now, what happened in, in February 24th this year is just another phase of this whole ongoing conflict that had, well, if you think about it, really started back in 2014. And I think that's the most important thing to take away from all this situation. Because, well, everything here just kind of shows to this. The prosecution, by the way, claimed that Girkin had requested the book missile system delivery from Russia and that Duminsky had been responsible for transporting it. And that the others assisted with the delivery as well as systems returned back to Russia following the downing of the plane. The book came from Russia, the, the book that shot the plane down from Russia on that night of July 7th, 16th 17th, 2014. End quote the suspects wanted the book requested it and received it and and this is the whole idea the fact that it was russia's delivery of the missile system that caused this whole stuff they still don't know exactly who gave the order and everything they just know who acquired the book and seeing as Girkin takes great pride in his actions there i have very little doubt that uh, that everything there is kind of kind of true and all the time, you know, Russia has been denying this whole of the evaluation. They have, they've even get got some uh, Spanish so-called experts to testify on this matter. But at least, at least this part, now is kind of closed. So, so yeah. And like I said, not like Girkin is gonna serve a life sentence. Well, unless he's captured, but he's way more likely to get killed, which isn't a bad solution at the end, because you know he's been pretty useless to me since. Since he went up to the front lines and we don't know anything about his exploits, I'm trying to find out, by the way, because I think that could be interesting for all of us, for all of us, Girkin and pals podcast listeners, to check on uh, his status and anything. But I really hope that he, at some day, rots on, rots in a prison cell by this by this sentence, you know. So that's the interesting statement. If someone again states that uh, this whole situation had was just a civil war and. And the separatists were innocent. No, Now we have a court statement, and now we have evidence. And finally, oh yeah, because the front line... Well, Russia isn't moving anywhere. They're, they're attacking Bakhmut, moving about 100-200 to 100 meters per day, as Prigozhin says. And I think Bakhmut is just there, because Putin needs to present something as a victory. I don't see great strategic value of attacking that town. Meanwhile, Ukraine... There's a grouping, and there's rumors about, again, small-scale assaults, basically feeling out the opposition everywhere. It's getting colder, so the ground's gonna get harder, so we're gonna see more massive. Massive happening soon, but that's why this the situation isn't that much about the front. Yeah, but um, in general, there were two incidents that happened that uh, got my attention since... Well, both of them kind of show some, some points about the situation. Remember a while ago I mentioned that the Russian side has been taking down boats, blowing them up and um, and smashing them so that the Ukrainian side can't can't use them. And that's in the river of Dnieper when they left Kherson and all that whatnot. Apparently we have some documented incidents about friendly fire when the last troops who were leaving decided to blow up their boat but on the other side, a bit further on, some guys decided that, hey, they uh, someone's firing and someone's using that boat, so they started firing at them. Well, we got the video of it at the end, so it's not as terrible. Probably those guys survived, but hey, who knows. And finally, about the mobilization in Russia, and how, once again, you should not ever believe anything that Mr. Putin says. You see, recently Putin very blatantly, very openly, with Shoigu intact and everything, very officially stated that uh, the mobilization is over. Yet, again, at the same time, there was no UKA's direct order from Putin about how this whole thing is over. The thing is, I told you a couple of episodes ago that if there is no official order, there's no documentation to close it, it probably isn't over and we'll see more waves of it happening very soon and again we have more court evidence I guess I guess we're this episode is all about court evidence, isn't it see uh, there was those there were those guys who protested the the draftees who protested the mobilization and we had a video a funny one where basically people were actively yelling protesting at a park about uh, with to their officers about how they're misequipped and how everything's terrible for them and this this one larger guy was really yelling at the the poor tiny colonel who was just so tinier and and they just didn't want to obey commands because well they protested the whole situation how they've been mobilized and what what was their status of equipment and everything and and this went a bit viral and uh, and yeah this went to court and court apparently managed to reach a decision or. Uh, Of some sort. I don't know. Maybe the verdict isn't exact, but that's not the important part. The important part is that um, the court had decided that, as this crime had happened during mobilization, that adds extra liability, extra severity to the crime. Although this whole protest happened days—I think even weeks. I think maybe like almost a week. Days definitely, maybe a week, week and a bit more after Putik had stated the mobilization is over. Which just means that, you know, obviously, it is not over. Just because Putin says something on the public television, and just because he then decides to, you know, excuse himself and all that whatnot, does not mean one bit that it is actual truth. It's just interesting. It's just, just, yet again, yet another case of Russia blatantly lying, and and just showing up like that. On that note, I still don't know what Lavrov is doing at the G20 summit, because I don't even know what he what he could possibly say there. Maybe, maybe just as a stock. But yeah, this allows me to conclude that there's going to be a second wave of mobilization as soon as the regular draft is over, and that we'll see more action, and that everyone on the front lines and otherwise is preparing for yet another very hot phase of this conflict, which is going to happen, well, right now, as the ground freezes, and as everything, well, as the campaigning becomes a bit more easy to do. And that's about it for today. I'll inform you as soon as something more interesting happens, and uh, (laughs) I really want to hear some opinion of Girkin once again. He just keeps, you know, asking for new recruits to join his unit, and Prigozhin, you know, he also is a person that I'm going to be watching closely since. What he's been doing lately with his Wagner group and his extrajudicial killings and his show of power, how he gets how he gets officers released from duties and everything. Yeah, seems like he might be the one making some power bits sooner rather than later. But yeah, that's that's it for today. Thank you for listening. До свидания, Please, if you want to support the show, consider becoming our patron on patreon.com slash easternborder. We have um, also opened up a Mastodon account. I don't remember it by heart, but uh, (laughs) I'll post it somewhere. I'm not not sure if I'll be very active there, but yeah, Twitter is still my main space where I answer all the messages, which is at eastern underscore border. If you want to give us a one-time donation, support us that way, because we're going to go back to Ukraine in January. You can just go to our webpage at theeasternborder.lv and click the button Donate there. It accepts all sorts of cards. That would be really nice. And, uh, yeah, as usual, happiness is mandatory. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods,